The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about objectification in literature and whether or not it's ever okay. Uh, Over the summer, I read this book called The Field Guide to the North American Teenager by Ben Philippe. And I thought it was interesting because it's from the perspective uh, of a protagonist who is Canadian and he's moving to Texas. And the differences between Canada and Texas are pretty stark. And I thought that it was a fun way of reimagining a coming of age story. And also, we don't see a ton of coming of age stories that have a male protagonist written by a man these days, which is kind of a bummer. And I, of course, I would, I love representation and I want to see these stories by women, but it was a refreshing change of pace to see this type of story written by a man instead of what I normally see lately, which is a coming of age story about a male protagonist that's written by a woman. And uh, I I notice all of the things that are missing when I read those stories. And sometimes I'll pause and ask my husband, would you ever really think about this thing this character is going on and on about? And a lot of times he'll say, no, I I really wouldn't care about that. And I'll, I'll push further and ask, well, do you think that a lot of guys would care about that? And he'll say, usually he's like, no, not really. So I, I'm very careful when I write male characters to get male input, uh, but I, I was really impressed by this book. It's a debut novel, and in it, uh, Ben Philippe, the author, talks about how he's been uh, picked up and found an agent basically right out of his MFA program, and I want to say congrats to him for that. Uh, good job, and also, you know... <laughs> As many good things that as there were in this book, at the end of the book, the love interest uh, completely changes their character for no reason other than what I believe is to try to turn this uh, one-shot novel into a series, which I I am going to assume that that was uh, caused by the influence of the publisher or the agent. And I would say to Ben, if he's listening to this, Uh, Don't let someone ruin your story by trying to make it more commercially appealing. If you want to uh, write more about this character, you don't have to leave the end of the book on a cliffhanger. And if you're going to try to do that, it has to make sense with the way the story already is. It can't be out of nowhere. It has to make sense with the way that you've set up the plot and the characters. So uh, let this be a lesson for us all the writers who are not Ben, uh, to not make that same mistake because it was extremely off-putting. Uh, and that's the only thing that prevented me from giving the book five stars. That's how good I thought it was. 
Uh, I don't often give five stars. When I do, it's because the book really blew me away. Of course, I'm referencing the review system on Amazon and Goodreads. And one of the things that I like to do after I've read a book that's really impressed me uh, is I go on Goodreads and I start reading through all of the reviews. And in this case, I noticed that there were a lot of positive reviews. However, there were a handful of reviews left by angry women who did not appreciate uh, the way that the protagonist objectified the female characters in the story, and particularly uh, Norris Kaplan, who is the protagonist, mentions that he's noticing female body parts, and then he talks about arousal. And in context, these are characters who he does not know. They're strangers. And so I can understand why a woman would find this type of writing offensive, because as women, uh, at least for myself, speaking for myself, I don't want to be looked at as an object. I hate that. Uh, I've been sexually assaulted in public places three times. Uh, one time a man shoved his groin into my face on the bus. That was awesome. And so, you know, it's just not okay. We don't want to be looked at as objects. And I understand that response, and for a lot of people, especially those who have experienced sexual harassment or sexual assault, this is a triggering event when they read about a character doing this. But I also thought, you know, maybe this is one of those things that's missing when women try to write teenage boy protagonists, because it is something that happens, and a lot of times, you know, we talk about how hard it is when girls go through puberty and how annoying it is to have a period and when your boobs get sore and all of those things. Uh, but we don't talk about how men have self-actualizing body parts. And in this book, you know, we do see that Norris isn't always in control of whether he's feeling aroused or not. And I understand that this is a mature topic so uh, that is why this episode is marked as explicit. I'm not going to actually say any very explicit things, but I wanted to talk about the idea of objectification and arousal and when is it okay to write characters this way in the name of being more realistic and more representative of true facts. Would I say that the depiction of sexual attraction in this book was particularly offensive to me. No, it wasn't, because I understand that these are thoughts that happen, and it's what the, the character, or in real life, what the person does with these thoughts that actually matters. Uh, but I also thought, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on uh, men treating women as sexual objects and viewing them that way, and that's not good, and that's not something that I want to see perpetuated in literature especially uh, in a book that is targeted more towards younger readers. And in this case, I do feel that this book is targeted toward younger readers. That leads me to the question, can you show attraction without objectification? And I believe that the answer is yes. You can show that there are involuntary attractions that happen. However, uh, you don't have to write 
the supporting characters or the observed characters as an object, you can note that the character's feeling sexually attracted to them or aroused without singularly focusing on one body part. And I believe in this case, uh, in the field guide to the North American teenager, that he was looking at a female character's butt, and that's what caused his reaction. And so instead of writing about just her butt, maybe Ben could have written more about the idea of being physically attracted to someone without knowing them, but how that makes you uh, want to get to know that person better. And eventually, uh, we see that the main character, Norris, does like this character for their personality uh, in a way. I'm not going to lie, I don't think that this character has the best personality, and the author tries to make that abundantly clear to the reader. I guess I didn't give a spoiler warning, but I'm not, like, giving away the whole plot of the book. And I still think it's an interesting book to read because of the cultural perspectives and also because of the fact that it is a male narrator telling a uh, male coming-of-age story. When I was thinking about how upset some of the female readers were about Norris's reactions to this female character, I was instantly transported back to my senior year in high school uh, when I was assigned to be uh, the anti-argument in a pornography debate in front of my whole class. And I was obviously, uh, my senior year, I was trying to get my stuff together. <laughs> and I had been very active in church, and I was trying to live my life in a more righteous way. Uh, if you listened to the previous episode, you know that I was kind of a big jerk up until that point, and I treated teenage boys like they were totally dispensable, which was not okay. And I think that my teacher did this basically to kind of pick on me and my new approach to trying to live uh, a good life. And the thing is, now that I'm looking back on it, that debate would go way differently today because my side was that you shouldn't treat women as objects, but I didn't really know how to like state that uh, in a more sophisticated way. So I basically said that when you depict women in a sexual state while they're being subjected to violence, that that is not safe for women because there are people who will interact with that uh, media and they will think that that is a normal and acceptable thing to do. And now, after having lived in this world for a lot longer and seeing all the things that I saw in human trafficking, I am completely against pornography because I know for a fact that not only does it damage the gray matter in your brain, that's true, you can look it up, a scientific study has proven this, uh, but also that it creates demand for human trafficking, which I have a really big problem with because it is not okay to sell and buy people, uh, which is also equated with slavery, which is a big hot topic right now, that maybe if we just uh, pretend like slavery didn't happen, then everything will be all right, and that's not, that's not going to work. Uh, and so it's the same kind of situation where you're creating demand through a media so that people are used as actual objects. 
and I'm not okay with that. That's my position. I'm sticking to it. I've done all the research. Uh, I spent a year researching the effects of pornography on the brain. There's not one good thing that it does to your brain. And it also causes all kinds of health problems and relational and emotional problems. So, uh, yes, I would, I would attack that debate from a very different angle. And the person who was defending basically said that, well, pornography is seen as an art form. And now I would be able to bring lots of charts and graphs and study uh, data and kind of tear that argument down that, well, art doesn't do this to the gray matter of one's brain. So I was thinking about that, though, when I was reading Norris's perspective, because he's a teenager and he hasn't been taught that objectification is wrong. And so, I mean, I can't really fault Ben Philippe for that because that's a realistic way to write this character. And maybe he could have put a trigger warning at the beginning. Uh, I like to put trigger warnings at the beginning of some of my works that have to deal with the ideas of violence against women or rape or sexual abuse. Uh, as as you have heard me talking through this thing, you know that that's kind of my sphere. That's the world that I'm in. Uh, I'm a huge advocate against sexual abuse, and I try to help survivors of sexual abuse. It's a very personal thing for me, not because of my own sexual abuse, uh, which I've only been sexually assaulted in public. So that's not the same thing as being raped or molested by someone, but I know a lot of people who have experienced that and I've seen what it's done to their lives. So for me, that's a topic that I'm very passionate about. And so I was thinking about the people that I know who have survived uh, sexual abuse and the ideas that Ben Philippe put forward about arousal and attraction in this book. And I was trying to understand how these things all reconciled together. That was my goal uh, in this episode, was to make you think about those ideas. And also, I just wanted to touch quickly on the idea of what consent is. And I did mention uh, the idea of consent in literature before when I talked about, uh, I mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey and how it's not a good book, and also it messes up consent. Um, but the idea of consent doesn't seem to be romantic when we read romance books, we don't often read about those moments. And I think that we should work to make consent seem more romantic and more thoughtful. Uh, the first time, well, when I was dating my husband, before he was my husband, the first time he ever kissed me, he asked my permission before he did it. And I'm really glad he did. And I still think of that, I don't think of that moment as something gross or rigid or, um, you know, formal, I think that I was glad that he respected me enough to ask me that question before he just did it. If you're wondering, I said yes, and I was very glad to kiss him for the first time, which would be the first time of many kisses. We're going to be married 15 years this November. I want to see a movement toward making consent sexier and uh, more romantic in written stories because writers control a lot of this narrative and we have a say in how our sons and daughters are going to interact with the world and why aren't we writing stories that convey to them, hey, this is actually a good way to behave, 
respecting another person as a soul instead of treating them as an object is what we're aspiring to do. I'm going to give you characters that show you that. So just something to think about as you're working on your next uh, project, especially if you're a romance writer. And I, I have to say, you know, I don't think there's a simple answer to the problem that the field guide to the North American teenager poses. I don't think that, you know, the, the readers who were severely triggered by this story uh, would be able to tell you, hey, if he just did this instead, I wouldn't have been upset. But this is something that we do need to think about consciously and make decisions understanding that the objectification of women is not just something that we can pretend is okay anymore. And for that matter, there should be no objectification of any person, period, whether they're male, fem female, trans, or non-binary. So that's something that I would love to hear your opinion about. And I'm interested to hear your take on this issue. I appreciate you listening to this episode, even though it's marked as explicit. And I hope that I didn't trigger anyone. I tried to keep the conversation as mellow as I could, considering the topic. And I just really appreciate you. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy, Happy writing. writing.